Well, good morning, church. How are y'all doing this morning? Good. I am so glad to be with you this morning and honored to stand at this platform and share the word of God with you. And isn't it fun to all be in one service? I think it's really neat. It's fun for me seeing a lot of faces in this room that I don't normally get to see because I go to the first service, not the second. And so it's great to be here. And my name is Patton. I have the great honor of being the student pastor here at Judson Baptist Church. Um, pastor Jeff is out this week, and they called on like Plan Z, which is me. So I get to I get to stand up in here here and share the word of God with you. And before we jump into our message today, uh, Pastor Jeff asked me to share just a little bit about how God has moved in student ministry this year. Um, it's been a really, really exciting year, and not to my credit, but to the Lord's credit and how he has worked. We prayed at the beginning of this year that God would do immeasurably more than we could ever ask, we could ever imagine, and he did some of those things. This year at camp, we saw 14 students give their life to Christ and 11 baptized that week. Yeah, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. At Wipeout, that happened just a couple of months ago. We had over 350 students in this room. Over 100 of you guys volunteered to serve that night. We had 14 different churches from our area be involved in that event, and we saw 10 students give their life to Christ that night. So yeah, praise the Lord again. It's so exciting. And I wanna say thank you guys. Man, thank you for being a church that loves and cares for students. We have an amazing group of volunteers that serve students every week on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. In August, we were able to have all of our life groups fully staffed with two leaders in each one, and they have just been phenomenal. Pastor Dan came on staff this year um, as pastor of recreation and preteens, and it came at just the right time as a huge group promoted in to our merge fifth and sixth grade ministry. And those he's been able to lead in connecting families in that ministry. We hired a new assistant this year in student ministry, Leslie Strange, who has a great passion for students and is just holds everything together for us. We have Presley Ray, who was uh, for almost two years was our merge ministry intern. Now she's working with our seventh through 12th graders. Um, she led our first uh, girls ministry event. And so just very, very exciting things going on. And church, I wanna ask you to continue to pray for our students. Pray for our students, pray for their parents, pray for our leaders who serve in student ministry. It's not easy to be a Christian teenager in the world we live in. They need our continued prayers and support. So I thank you, church. I thank you for being a part of that and loving this generation coming up so well. So let's transition in. Let's jump into our message for today. And we're looking at a passage of scripture that is uh, what I would probably call my life verse. Uh, it's my favorite passage in scripture. It's in Philippians uh, chapter 3, verse 12, if you want to start turning there. And this passage first came to me, first kind of uh, made its way into my heart when I was a sophomore in college. And I was leading a Disciple Now group, which means I was leading a small group for some high school students. And this was the theme verse for that event. And this verse 
when I read it and started to study it, it was kind of like a light bulb moment for me. You see, I had grown up in church and loved the church. I was saved as a teenager. I mean, I desired to be at church. I desired to serve the church. I desired to know more about Jesus. But there was one motivation in following Jesus and being part of the church that I often didn't think about. And I think it's the most important motivation for anything we do in this building and anything we do outside of this building. And without this motivation, we can quickly run dry. And this motivation, the primary motivation to follow Christ should be based on the personal salvation of Jesus in your life. This song we just sang a moment ago talked about that, how we have a living hope in Jesus Christ. We are saved through him. He has brought us from death to life. And that should be our primary motivation for following the Lord. See, our story of salvation is what guides our pursuit of following Jesus. I wanna say that one more time. Our story of salvation is what guides our pursuit in following Jesus. It's not about all of the external forces in culture. It's not about the religiosity that we wanna have or the moralistic life that we wanna live. It's not the church culture. It's the personal work of Jesus Christ in our lives that should be our motivation. So our passage is Philippians 3, verse 12. And this passage was written by the apostle Paul and was written at a very interesting time in his life because he was in prison. So he's writing to the church at Philippi while in prison And the main theme of this whole book of the Bible is joy. How crazy is that? So here, Paul in prison, writing to a church about finding joy in Jesus Christ. He was finding joy in his toughest circumstance. And what he did was he used his story to challenge the church at Philippi to live a life in pursuit of God's call. And here's what this passage says. This is Philippians chapter three, Verse 12, read along with me. It's on the, on, up there. It says this, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let me pray for us. Dear Lord, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for everything you've given us and the grace that you've shown us, Lord. I pray that you'd help us refocus today on who you are and what you've done for us. The great love that you have, us, have for us, Lord, let that be our motivation to follow you. It's your name we pray. Amen. This passage really fits well into the kind of time frame we're in right now. We're coming into a new year, right? And so a new year means new year's what? 
Oh, I need some help here. New Year's resolutions. Yeah, New Year's resolutions. Who has already set a New Year's resolution? Anyone in this room? We got a few. Who's planning on setting a New Year's resolution? Anyone? We got, okay, so y'all aren't New Year's resolution people. Some people are. I personally, I like New Year's resolutions. And the reason is, is it gives me motivation. Maybe a lot of you are more disciplined than me, but sometimes I need to place a goal before me to go after it, to reach for it. That's the whole idea of a New Year's resolution. It's to improve oneself. And you do that by setting a goal Um, there's actually research done on this that was in the 1960s and a theory came out, it's called the goal setting theory of motivation. Basically it states that goal setting is essentially linked to performance. Uh, For me, um, I think back a few years ago, I ran a half marathon, okay? It doesn't look like it, I know, but I ran a half marathon, (laughs) I promise, I promise. You can maybe look online if I don't know. But I ran a half marathon and... What I did before I started training for this half marathon, you know what I did first? I signed up for it because I needed the goal ahead of me. I needed that goal to look forward to. So I signed up for this half marathon and went out to run and could barely like run one minute without stopping and, you know, like leaning over. But I had a friend of mine who helped me out. Um, I don't know if he's here, Cesar Verto. He helped me run. He's, he's actually a runner. I'm not. And so I started running with him and training with him. And, and he helped me kind of figure out the, the motion and the right things to do to be able to run. We run, ran a 10K a couple months before the half marathon. We trained and trained and I prepared and ran the half marathon. And you know what happened after I ran the half marathon? I didn't run again for like six months, (laughs) right? Like I had no goal ahead of me. So I had been working towards this goal. I accomplished this goal. But then when that goal was gone, I had no motivation to go out and to be in misery again, you know? And so The thing is, goal setting is so important. I think in our spiritual life, we often lose sight of the goal ahead of us. And what's really cool is the goal ahead of us has already been won by Christ Jesus. Man, he's already victorious. He's come in first place in the goal ahead of us. And what we need to do is put our focus on him, focus on who he is and what he's done for us, and let that be our motivation in following Christ. Our motivation should be based solely in the saving grace of Jesus in our own lives and the future hope he promises us. So as we dig into this passage today in Philippians, uh, we're gonna see four truths in our pursuit of following Christ. The first thing we're gonna look at is humility in the pursuit. Uh, We discover that the gospel of Jesus brought about a humility in Paul. We know Paul that before he was Paul, his name was Saul. He was known as a persecutor of Christians, but not only that, He was a leader in the Pharisees, a Pharisees of Pharisees. He even described himself in verse six of this same passage as once being as someone blameless in the law. He followed the law almost perfectly. We know not perfectly. Now through Jesus, what he has found is humility. In verse 12 of this passage, he says, he is not perfect. 
Verse 13, he says that he hasn't laid hold of it yet. Instead of letting pride take over his life and relying on his own abilities, he realized his own imperfection. He realized the fact that he does not live up to God's standards. He realized that only through Jesus could he one day be made perfect. Instead of Paul boasting about all of the churches he planted, the great missionary journeys he had done, the, how many people he had seen saved, how many people he had mentored, he didn't boast in those things. He instead boasted in his imperfection. He boasted in the fact that he was not there yet, knowing that there was someone that was, and that's Jesus Christ. Man, even if you have attended church your whole life, even if you know all of the worship songs, even if you serve in every area you possibly can in church, you have not reached the finish line yet. It's so, so easy for all of us in this room to get comfortable in the seats that we sit in, in the pew that we sit in every week. But you have not reached the finish line yet. You still have a race to run on this world. You know, if you've graduated from college, you might realize that it's not like the culmination of your life. There's still a journey that takes place after that. Or if you're married, you realize that the wedding day is not the culmination of your relationship. It's the beginning of your relationship with your spouse. And in the same way, when you start your relationship with Jesus, it's not the culmination. It's not the end of your journey. It's the beginning of your journey of following Christ. It's an ongoing journey for everyone in this room, no matter what age you are, to continually follow after and pursue after Jesus. In humility, we must all realize this. Think about this. The Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, the passage we're reading today, was probably the greatest missionary of all time, planted multiple church, churches. He said he had a next step in following Jesus. Man, shouldn't that mean that I have a next step and you have a next step in following the Lord? We must have hum humility in our pursuit of following Jesus. The second thing we discover is the motivation for the pursuit. And that's what we've kind of been talking about this whole time. And, and this is the part of the passage that really was the light bulb moment for me. Paul shares in verse two that the reason he presses on in his pursuit of following Jesus is because Jesus laid hold of him. In one version, it says it this way, I make every effort to take hold of it because I have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Paul's primary motivation of his pursuit to follow Jesus was the fact that Jesus transformed his life. Let's take a moment, let's look back on Paul's story and see where that took place. It's in Acts chapter nine. You don't have to flip there. I I'm just gonna give a little paraphrase of that story. But we come into this story looking at a guy named Saul 
who was a persecutor of Christians, who saw Christians as his enemy, who allowed the stoning of Christians. His goal was to put Christians in jail. He was obviously not a follower of Jesus. And then he was walking down the road to Damascus and God came into the picture and blinded him through amazing circumstances. And God sent Ananias, a follower of Jesus, to go and to help him. And through that experience, Saul turned to Paul and became one of the greatest followers of Christ we know. A great example we look at in scripture. This crazy experience transformed his life. What gave Paul his motivation to follow after Jesus was the transformational experience of salvation. And see, in Acts chapter nine, verse 20, it says this about Paul. After he was saved, after all this took place, he immediately began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues. He is the son of God. He didn't wait around. He said, man, I have been saved. My life has been changed. And therefore I am going to tell everyone about it. His experience changed everything. It really is amazing how an experience can change our lives. Experiences we have as children or as teenagers can change the choices that we make today. Maybe you even are in a career today that is based on an experience that you had as a child. Some of you in this room might say, like, I don't have a Damascus Road experience. Yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. I was saved as a young kid or I was saved as a teenager and kind of grew up in church. I don't have that crazy experience to give me motivation. Here's what I would argue today. Everyone who is saved through Jesus Christ has had a radical transformation experience. Do you hear that? Everyone who is saved has had a radical transformational experience. In Ephesians 2, our state with Christ is described as dead. Dead. It says, and we were dead in our trespasses and sin. It doesn't say we were just a little sinful. It doesn't say we just made a few mistakes and if we're good enough, then maybe we can go to heaven. No, it says we were dead. We were separated from God because of our sin. But then we see in verse four and five of that same chapter in Ephesians, we see that God came into the picture and it says this, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. That is a radical transformation. Remember that no matter where your story has taken you, no matter where you came from, whether growing up in church and saved as a young child or having difficulties and being saved later on, no matter where you are on that spectrum, you have, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have been radically saved by God through Jesus Christ. You were dead, now you're made alive. And you see, that is our motivation in pursuing after God. 
That is the most important motivation that we must have to pursue after God. It's not about trying to live up to a moral code code, or coming to church every week. It's about following Jesus. And when you follow Jesus, those other things come into play, right? When we're following after Jesus, man, it brings us a desire, a motivation to come to church, not to build ourselves up or to give ourselves a pat on the back for being good this week. No, it's to give glory and praise to the God who saves, the God who loves us. The third thing that we look at in this passage is a couple of steps in the pursuit of following Jesus. Paul says he does two specific things, forgetting and reaching. In verse 13, he says, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. The first part, forgetting. This is forgetting past failures or even forgetting past victories. We all have things in our past that can haunt us. Shame, guilt, hurt, pain. Paul definitely did when we look at his story. He was once a persecutor as we just looked at a moment ago, but he didn't let that get in the way. We have to lay our shame, our guilt at the foot of the cross, trusting that Jesus has saved us. We have to trust that he has taken care of that work. And instead of remembering it and letting it weigh us down, we must lay it at the cross and trust he has taken care of it. In the same way as forgetting past shame and guilt, we also have to humbly, humbly forget past victories even. We need to forget past achievements. Paul had a lot he could regret, but he also had a lot he could boast in, right? Pride of past achievements can bring us down just as much as the weight of guilt. We have to lay our achievements humbly at the foot of the cross, boasting only in Jesus. The second part of this uh, steps to, to following and pursuing after Jesus is reaching forward. We have a hope and a future in Jesus Christ. When we reach forward, it means we have a focus on him and him alone. Rather than letting our past guilt, our past victories, our doubt hinder our pursuit of following Jesus, we let him be our guide. This means daily saying yes to him and daily saying no to the things that don't honor him. A rule of thumb in running, um, like if you're actually running a race, not like my kind of running, but if you're actually running a race, a rule of thumb is you don't look back, right? Because when you look back, when you turn around, it slows down your momentum. And they have to use every bit of energy they possibly can to move forward and go towards the goal. And for us, in the same way, we can't look back at our past, at our difficulties, at our shame, at our victories, whatever it is, we need to focus on Christ because what happens when we lose focus is we lose the momentum of pursuing after Jesus. A perfect example of this is in Matthew chapter 14 when Jesus walked on water. 
If you remember, uh, Peter was there. He was out in the boat and Peter wanted to walk on the water as well. And so Jesus called him out and Peter started walking on water. It was amazing. Through Jesus's power, Peter was walking on water. But what happened is he got distracted. He got distracted by the winds and the waves that were tossing all around him. And when that started to happen, he began to sink. He lost his focus on Jesus and was focused on everything that was going on around him. And are you sinking in your spiritual life right now? It's so easy for us to get distracted by the winds and the waves in our life. It's time for us to refocus our view on Jesus, on who he is and what he's done for us. The last thing we discover in this passage is the perseverance in the pursuit. The perseverance in the pursuit. In the beginning of the message, we talked about this idea of goal setting and the goal setting theory of motivation. When there's a goal in mind, our motivation rises. Uh, Sometimes I think we struggle in our pursuit of following Jesus because we forget the goal ahead. This goal is eternity with Jesus And it's promised to every follower of Jesus. It's promised to every follower of Jesus. Paul put it this way in verse 14. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul's hope was in the upward call of Jesus. This is the fact that those who are in Christ are promised a hope of eternity with Jesus forever. Do you hear that? That's our goal. That's what we're pressing on towards. We're pressing on towards a hope of eternity with God forever. Away from the hurt and the pain and the shame and the guilt and the difficulties of this world, but together with God, the creator who loves us forever. That's the goal ahead of us. We oftentimes give up on our pursuit of following Jesus when things get difficult in life, when sin weighs us down, when someone hurts us, when we're tired, when we're anxious, could go on and on of the things that often weigh us down from pursuing after God. These things don't have to get in the way. We can find perseverance in our time here on this imperfect earth because we know we have an eternity that will be perfect with Jesus. That's how we get through. That's how we persevere. That's how we get through the struggles of this life. We get through because of the perfect eternity with Jesus Christ. You know, in Philippians 4.13, there's a famous verse. I think that talks about this more so than how it's normally used. It's, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, right? A lot of athletes use it, but it's really not talking about like physical strength, like muscles per se. Paul is talking about having strength in difficult times. In that same passage, he says, he knows what it's like to have a lot and to have a little. And the one truth he knows in that is that through Christ, he can find strength. This strength comes through the hope of salvation in Jesus. Let that hope, that promise, give you perseverance in your pursuit of Christ, knowing that the prize of eternity is already won for us. 
So today we've looked at four, four different things in this passage that guide us in our pursuit of following Jesus. We see that Jesus brings humility to our pursuit, knowing that we're not perfect, but he is perfect. We see that Jesus brings motivation to our pursuit of following him through his salvation for us. That is our one pure, most important motivation. We see Paul gives us steps for getting what lies ahead and reaching forward and refocusing on Jesus and who he is. We find that our perseverance in the pursuit is the promise of eternity with God forever. Paul used his story to challenge the church at Philippi and in the same way, let your personal story of salvation guide you. Help it guide you in your pursuit of following Jesus. We're about to go into a new year and it's always a great opportunity going into a new year to refocus. I challenge you today, based on the love of God, to live a life in pursuit of Jesus. Not because it's the moral thing to do, not because it's the Baptist thing to do, not because your parents told you, not because it's tradition, not because it's, the, it's what your parents told you to do, but because it's the proper response to the love God has for us. It's not about all of those things. It's only about Jesus and who he is. When we were dead in our sin, Jesus showed up and through him, we are made alive. Man, if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, I challenge you to look at your story. Look at how Jesus has saved you and redeemed your life and is continuing to save you and redeem your life and let that lead you in your pursuit of following after him and living for him and living a life that glorifies and honors him. And, and if you're in here in this room and you've never experienced the radical love of Jesus, you can. You have a God who loves you. You have a God who carries, cares for you. Maybe you don't feel worth it, but that's okay because God knows you're worth it. He loves you so much so that even in your imperfection, he sent Jesus to come and be perfect and die for our sins. That is the love that God has for you. And so today, if you want to know more about that, if you want to know how to give your life to Christ and to trust in him, we're about to stand and sing in just a moment. And as we do that, you can come forward. I'll be at the front here. You can come talk to me. I would love to. You can talk to any of our pastors after the service. You can text a number that's gonna be up on the screen. You can talk to a friend. You can do all of those things, one or the other. You have a lot of options. But I challenge you, if you feel the Lord stirring in your heart today to move, don't sit still. Talk to someone and start running towards him because he loves and cares for you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for the great love that you have shown us. Lord, we are not 
worthy of your great love. But we thank you that when we were dead, you made us alive. Lord, help us as a church follow you this year. Help your love, your salvation for us be our motivation to follow you, Lord. And I pray, help each one of us individually in this room to remember your radical love and salvation for us. Help us remember that today. Help it guide us in following you. Lord, we need you. We need your help. We need your guidance. Lord, move in us this year. Move in this church this coming year. It's your name we pray. Amen.